Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Stay tuned. All right, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks, Bam. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Mason, and uh, today I plan to share a few words with the intent of forever rendering your life different from this point on. So I just thought, you know, we'd start off by setting a bar high. I don't do this all the time, so I'm like, let's go big or not go at all. All right. Um, but no, I want to thank Bam, who just left, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, just thank Bam for this opportunity. And like he said, him and Liz have been friends with my wife, Caitlin, and I for uh, ever since we've been in Chicago. So it's, uh, you know, they just mean a lot to us, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. So today we are going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we find this in Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 25. So I'm going to read that, we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Um, but before I do, I have a question that I would like you to ponder this morning. And that question is, who are you? I told you, this is life-altering. This is life-altering. So my question is, who are you? All right, so we'll ponder that, that inquiry as we, uh, as we read this passage and get into it. So Luke 10, starting in verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of, uh, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you that, you know, you allow us to gather here. Um, just pray that you speak to our hearts and our minds, that you be with us today and forevermore. We pray for grace and favor, goodness and mercy. We pray for comfort and counsel this morning, Lord. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and, uh, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so that, that parable, again, we find in Luke chapter 10, uh, sort of later in the chapter. And so to sort of lay a foundation and to... Uh, begin this answering this inquiry of identity. I want to look at just the 
beginning passages or the passages in Luke 10 that lead up to the parable of the Good Samaritan. So they won't be up here, but I'll kind of go through it. So Luke 10 starts off with, G- with Jesus sending out 70 disciples. Now previously in Luke 9, Jesus sent out his 12 disciples, who we may be more familiar with. Now something uh, briefly I want to point out here, 12 is cute. It is nearly wholesome. But 70, that is a gang. These are gang members, and Jesus is sending them out, right? And if you could imagine, I mean, a lot of people gathering, mostly men, probably mostly, if not all men, getting ready to go out. This is, they went from like, oh, it's cute, it's Jesus and the homies, to like, this is kind of fishy, you know? But nonetheless, Jesus sends out these 70, and just like the 12, he sends them out to proclaim good news, and to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. Even in Luke chapter 10, he tells the 70, when you heal them, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. How many times are you speaking this word or praying for others or even just yourself and acknowledging or even saying out loud, the kingdom of God has come near to you? You are a bringer of the kingdom, a presenter of the kingdom of God. Next in Luke, we see Jesus crying at crying out against these cities. You know, woe to this city, woe to this one. And these cities are kind of in the north. So in this area, we have Galilee, Samaria, Judea, for the most part. And these cities are, are kind of up in the northern area in Galilee. But Jesus is crying out against them. And apparently, they don't listen, right? And if you don't listen, how are you going to know? If you don't know, how will you receive and be transformed? I guess Corazon will never know. <laughs> So after that, we see the 70 return to Jesus. And they're, and they're joyful. They're rejoicing. They're saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus responds to them with what, what I'm considering like a heavy hitter. Right? He responds to them and he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So take note on this, because Jesus responds to their joy, which which I believe is warranted. I don't know if you have come across or knowingly come across demons or the enemy manifesting, but these things can be fearful. Um, they, they can make us afraid. So for them to see this and overcome it and have this victory, I would be rejoicing too. But Jesus sees that truth and responds with something else, with the truth that kind of has us weave through different action and thought and where that places us. On one hand, regard yourself as one who is set to trample on serpents and scorpions or the fear and opposition that arises. And though your heel will be bruised, you will overcome. You are an overcomer. You are one who tramples on serpents and scorpions. On the other hand, realize that even victory over a foe is not why you are here. The enemy is defeated, and to rejoice in someone else's loss is missing the mark. Jesus guides us towards who we are, our purpose for identity, and where that places us. Our God is Jehovah Nisi. God is our banner, the place of gathering. Your names are written in heaven. That banner goes before, that title goes before, and what follows? The one who holds that that title belongs to, right? Your names are in heaven, and soon you will follow. So next in Luke, we we see Jesus 
rejoicing in the Spirit, and he's thanking God for what he's revealed and the time that he's revealed it. And it's here that we see whether this proceeds directly precedes our passage or not. Either way, we see now in Luke 10, 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up testing him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if he knows that he's a lawyer or if he just perceives this, but he puts it back on him. And he says, what is in the law? What is your reading of it? And he, he answers well. He says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you know, you, you've answered rightly. Do this, and, and you will have eternal life. That, that wasn't enough, though. He wanted to justify himself. So he said, who is my neighbor? Now, Jesus responds with this parable, but ultimately what he's asking is, who are you? He's like, oh, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, no, who are you? I don't know if the lawyer was genuine in his questions. Maybe he was, maybe not. Uh, maybe he really was genuine. Maybe he did have these doubts. I think we all have these doubts, these, you know, that flare up that he's trying to quench. You know, we know God is good, but we may not know how good he sees us in relation to him, right? We know God is mighty in these ways, but, but we may doubt at times, and, and that's reasonable. In any case, the lawyer asks these questions, and really what he does is what I think we do at times, and that's examine our surroundings to justify our position, so we look around at everything, everything that's going on around us, everything external, to make sure we're good right here. But Jesus comes and, and speaks to that identity. I would say that at our best, we self-examine in relation to the Creator. And I say relation, like, not comparison. Because although we reflect the Creator, we bear the image of God. And we are creators ourselves. I mean, we, we, do you get this? We, like, imagine things, and then they, they come to life. Right? We express through art, we build things, we create, we do this. So we reflect our creator, but at the end of the day, the creation just will not compare to the creator. It's just it's natural like that. But in relation, when we know we have a good father and a good friend, that stigma is dropped and we're presented with freedoms and liberties to grow. All right, so why is this important? All right, I've been asking, you know, this identity question, like, who are you? Why is it important to know who we are? Who we are? And so to answer that, I want to look at this parable now. Because what better way to answer the questions of life than with a riddle from the Creator? I mean, that's like all parables are. They're like this, like, fancy worded thing. But, uh, but like all scripture, it's poetic. It's even kind of mysterious and deep. But when you get to the core of it and it comes out, it's, it, it kind of it, it flares up and presents itself and it just kind of pokes you in the chest to set, it, to set the record straight. Just like this. We got all these words just to ask, who are you? So, in this parable, Jesus tells us about this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. So we got Jerusalem up on the mountaintop and Jericho, the land below sea level. And at the time, this path was known as the way of blood. Right, known for you know, having thieves and just being a tough path to, to journey. Fittingly named the way of blood. We'll see later in Luke as Jesus, as we get closer to the story of the Passover, Jesus is making his way you know, through Jericho. He ascends to Jerusalem 
on his way to the cross to shed his blood for his people. All right, fittingly named that. And he tells us about this man that fell among thieves. So this tells me something, that this man had something, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, we live in Chicago, people will just rob, but ultimately people don't want nothing. You know what I mean? You've got to have something worth taking. As a young boy, I grew up in a trailer park. My brother and his wife, soon to be baby, is a, they're here. My brother knows about this. But as a young boy, I grew up in a trailer park, so I'm a young boy, and I'm figuring out life, and I'm thinking about how I feel about this or what I think about that. And as around this time, I started to develop fears, right? Just like I think we all do, and I'm like, okay, well, what if someone, like, breaks in our place and takes our stuff? And then this is when the Lord spoke to me. And he said, young man, my son, you live in a trailer. Don't no one want these things that you don't have, all right? Don't nobody want your new PlayStation 1. PlayStation 2 has been out a whole year now. Get with the times. I don't know if that's how God spoke to you when you were a kid. That, that's, how God, that's how he spoke to me. All right, but we, we see, nonetheless, the man has some things. But now they're gone. They were taken. And he's left for dead on this road. And sure enough, he's there, he's there dying. He's there wanting. And the holy people, they come. The priests and the Levite, they come. And they pass by on the other side. They're the ones that know this law. Just like the lawyer, they knew about loving God and loving others. And they see this man, they pass by on the other side. Now, mind you, this is not a big path. If there's someone over there dying and I'm passing by, I'm right here. This isn't, this isn't a big thing. They're close enough. They can smell them. I can smell these people right here, and they're clean. That man was dying. And the holy people, they pass by. Lo and behold, here comes a Samaritan. He sees him. He has compassion. He has empathy and pity. He sees this man, and his heart breaks. He's also someone that knows what it's like to be passed by. It was known at this time that the Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. So if a Jewish person was traveling from Judea up to Galilee, they would go around Samaria by land to the east or hop on a boat by water to the west. So he's familiar with what it's like to be passed by. He has compassion. And he starts to tend to his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Um, this is something I was speaking with Bam about earlier last week, so I'll give you the credit for this one. Um, but what that, oil, what that oil and that wine, they represent oil, anointing, and wine, the blood. See, you are ones drenched in the blood of the Lamb, anointed by the King Creator. So he tends to his wounds, and he even takes them to a place to stay. He gives them a home, if you will, right? Where there is comfort and counsel. You are ones with a home, with a place to go. Your names are written in heaven. There's a home for you where there's grace and favor, counsel and comfort, goodness and mercy. Okay, so if, if it hasn't been answered why this is important, why it's important to know our identity, it's because the truth of it is you may come across someone dying on the road. And that sounds far-fetched and that sounds extreme, but I, I'll tell you, I've, I've come across someone dying on the road here in Chicago. I'm going to the airport. I'm driving to Midway, so I'm down Cicero, and I, I see a wreck. I see this car up on the median, just, you know, at like an angle. 
So I look and I see people crowded. I see someone laying there and a couple guys tending to him. And, and, I, and I see him and, and I think, oh, this man's in trouble. I should pray for him. So I, I, I pull over. And now I'm, I'm a little ways up the road. So I start to walk back and I'm kind of gathering the situation and, and all that and trying to figure out what God wants me to do. So I get to the man and, and I'm down by his legs. And, you know, there's, there's two guys, you know, like one on each side. One guy's giving him a CPR. So I ask, I'm like, well, is he breathing? They're like, no. And I, I don't really know what else is going on, but I'm like, okay, well, does he have a pulse? And so now the guy, like, giving him CPR goes to check his vitals, and he's, you know, checking things. And so I'm just sitting at his leg, and I, and I grabbed his leg because I didn't, you know, it just was happening. I grabbed his leg, and now I'm holding it, and I'm like, Jesus, will you, will you let this man live? And, and it's at this time, these guys start to look at me, so that kind of caused me to look back. And I see the man laying there, and his mouth is moving now. And I'm like, yo, is he breathing? And they're like, no. Like, now they're adamant, because I've been asking too many questions, and everyone's freaking out right now. And, and mind you, first responders haven't gotten there. I mean, this, this had just happened. And so I, I see his mouth moving. I ask that. They're like, no. And I'm like, no, he's breathing. And sure enough, he's like, <gasps> and he gasps for air. And his eyes open. They're dilated. And this happens, like when people are trying to regain themselves. And, and his eyes are dilated, and, and they start to kind of recess, if you will. The color comes back. Wow. And now he's kind of there, like, trying to regain himself. He, he's breathing again. So there was a man not breathing, a prayer to Jesus, and now he's breathing. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. So I, I had to go catch a flight. So I had, to, I had to go. So I'm like, I just, like, slapped the guys. I'm like, man, I'm thankful you guys were here. And then, and then I left. But he was breathing. It was also around this time that, you know, Bam and company and myself, we would, we would go downtown. We would go to places like uh, Staten Van Buren, different areas downtown, and even some tougher areas like Madison and Pulaski. Um, and we would just go around praying for folks, giving food, drink, clothes, and just prayer and petition, letting people know that God loves them, that he cares for them. So it was that rhythm and repetition that put me in a position to even respond to a situation like that, right? I wasn't ready for that situation. We probably won't be ready for most situations that we encounter in life. But it's this rhythm and repetition puts us in a place where we're able to respond. You are responders. You are responders to God's creation. You are here to tend to this. So also, when I was a young when I was a young boy, not, not quite as young as the story I told, but in general, when I was growing up, I played basketball. If it's not obvious that I look like a basketball player, right? <laughs> but I, I played ball my whole life, so I was always practicing. It started out by force. We had no other choice. Yo, if I wanted to come into the house, I had to go hoop for like two hours just to, get, just to go to sleep that night. But let, that's not here nor there. But I'm practicing, playing ball, right? When I get into high school, it gets more intense, right? So now, like, I'm playing at a higher level. Practices get more intense. And in general, we would do these drills, certain drills and movements over and over. So, like, our type of offense, you know, let's say the ball goes on this side, on this wing. The person on the opposite wing kind of goes down, gets a couple of screens, comes up. Now we're at, like, the top of the three-point line, and you catch the ball. From there, you can shoot, you can dribble, you can pat. There's a lot of options. But we would do this drill over and over. I mean, I don't know how many times I ran down, got a screen, came up, caught, shot the ball. 
then do that a bunch of times, then pump fake, dribble, shoot. You know, I mean, hundreds and thousands of times, the rhythm and repetition was just there. So that when it comes into the game, you begin to just respond. One time in particular, I remember doing this, I'm like, I'm a sophomore, and I come up and I catch the ball. Mind you, I've always been, if you can imagine, I've been smaller than this. I've been an undersized individual, you know, particularly in the basketball world. Like, it just is part of it. So, you know, I have to be sound in these things. But anyway, it's that rhythm and repetition. So now I'm in the game and I come up, I catch, there's a guy coming, pump fake, one dribble. Now I'm in the lane a little bit, two guys coming at me. So I just shoot, it's a bucket, right? I go back and I'm playing, you know, begin to play defense and it clicks. I didn't even think about these guys. I didn't even see them. I get by this guy, I got two guys coming at me, right? I got the serpent and the scorpion coming, the fear and the opposition. I don't even think, it's just a response. But there's been that rhythm and repetition constantly to allow me to get in that place where I can now just respond. I don't have to think, it quickens it. And it's that same thing here. For us, the things that we bring to life, the things that we do in this faith, is rhythm and repetition. It's that prayer and petition, that supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God, that the peace of God would come, that surpasses understanding and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So that when we have these little situations or the big extreme situations in life, everywhere in between, the rhythm and repetition of this faith in our lives, day in and day out, it puts us in a position to respond to the things that arise. Whether, whether by the Lord, whether by situations that we don't want to put a name to, whatever comes up, we are there to respond. You are responders. And I would implore you to be the ones that let this word come to life. Let this scripture come to life. Let this prayer come to life. Be presenters of the kingdom. I implore you to be presenters of the kingdom of God. I implore you to put these things out there with confidence that God will breathe on it so that when the spirit moves, it will fall at the opportune time. I implore you to be these people because that's who you are. You're wonderfully made. You're made with a purpose. You are someone. God sees you. He is Jehovah Rhea. He is the God who sees. He's out there. He's with you. Comfort and counsel is on your side. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you know who we are. That you've called us to be just so much and ultimately to just be your your children and those who are in relation with you. Uh, Lord, today I pray for everyone here that goodness and mercy be behind them, that grace and favor be before them, that comfort and counsel be on their side, Lord. I pray that you calm and you guard our hearts and our minds, that you quicken our response, that you set out prayer and petition to take us place in our lives. Man, that we would just keep calling on you. Oh, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We need you always. Man, God, we, we, we just, we need you. And we praise things in your son's name, Jesus. Jesus, we're thankful for, for what you've done for us and continue to do in our lives, Lord. 
And we love you. Amen.